Well, hey, what a weekend for OU quarterback commit Michael Hawkins. He is the MVP of the Rivals camp over the weekend for the second consecutive year. So what does that mean? Well, it probably means that 24-7 is about to drop him to a two-star. Isn't that on brand or uh, what we can expect next, Parker? I don't know if you're uh, more comfortable saying that or not after uh, this past week. But hey, MVP of the Rivals camp as a quarterback, back-to-back years. I'm sure uh, 24-7 sports is going to uh, drop him down another star. I'm just wondering what that kid needs to do. What does he need to do to command respect nationally? Because he's not a three-star. And how many camps does he have to go to? How many seven-on-seven events does he have to light it up at? How many times does he have to flash that elite ceiling before people start giving him the respect that he deserves at this point in time? And I'm not saying make him the number one quarterback in the class. I'm not saying start having the same conversations surrounding Michael Hawkins that we were trying to start at this time last year about Jackson Arnold alongside Nico Yamaleava and Malachi Nelson and Arch Manning, right? But what I am saying is the kid is very obviously better than his ranking. He's not a five-star. Like you said, he shouldn't be the number one overall quarterback. I mean, he's not viewed as highly as Jackson Arnold was last year, but none of that matters. I mean, he's a, he's a good quarterback in this class, deserving of a, a four-star, which is where he should be probably all the way across the board. So so good for him. Um, like, what, what, What's the main takeaway from him this weekend? It sounds like he really flashed the upside, which is the upside consists of what? Uh, a lot of athleticism. A guy that can throw on the run, just like what? What did he do very well this weekend to to win the award for the I'd second, say just second ball year? placement, man, and the ability to throw to every level and change trajectory on his throws, get a little bit more, a little bit more arc under it when he needs to, or else just zip it in there. Whatever throw needs to be made, the kid can make it, make it with confidence and make it with accuracy. And look, he was probably the most highly regarded player there when it comes to the national recruiting spectrum. So it was to be expected that he would perform the way that he did yesterday and win. So I understand if it doesn't move the needle much for people because you look at what he did last year and it's impressive, but you look at what he did this year, pitted against the competition, you say, okay, well, if he's as good as people think he is, sure, obviously he should win yesterday. But a win is a win. MVP is MVP. Undeniably an impressive weekend for Michael Hawkins, but a really, really impressive weekend for Kevin Sperry as well, man. He really, if he hadn't already announced his presence as one of the best in the DFW area, he did it this weekend. That definitely happened this weekend, man. That kid was lights out. And if Hawkins hadn't shown, Kevin Sperry would have been your quarterback MVP. Yeah. Um, I I do love that Hawkins was dropping some uh, future casts, crystal balls whatever you want to call him these days. Um, apparently you asked him about several OU targets and where OU stands for him. Would you say a uh, very optimistic feel for uh, like players like Nigel Smith that you asked him about and some others? Very optimistic feel. And what people should realize about the Hawkins family is that, and this is not just exclusive to Mike, it's his whole family engaged in this effort as well. They're trying to bring everybody from the DFW area and beyond to Oklahoma with him. He said he started talking to Michael Boganowski, to Will Nwaneri. Obviously, he's very, very – he said he talks on a daily basis with Bryant Wesco. Interesting. 
Um, David Stone is a guy that he's pushing. Caden Durham is a guy that he's pushing. Mike Hawkins Sr. told me, I was on the phone with Caden Durham's dad for an hour and 45 minutes on Friday. Well, he's probably trying to win K-Ref Recruiter of the Month. He saw that Emmett Jones won it for the month of April, and he's like, I want to I want to get in on that. And Emmett Jones has got an early lead in May, and he's going to try to win that award. So, all right, Mike, I, I, I see you, man. We, we will consider you for the Ref Recruiter of the Month award uh, moving forward. Yeah, he's. Um, we, we've talked about it several times with quarterback commits. A lot of time they can be some of your best recruiters in a recruiting class, and that's what he's trying to be. And another reason why I like having a quarterback in every single class because of situations like this. And whether they ever play a down or not, and they can, if they can help you get a five-star wide receiver like Bryant Wesco, if they can help out with Williams Winery, if they can help out with David Stone, then you, I, 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 I don't know. I just like that aspect to have in a recruiting class. Big fan of that. From the 918, hey, the Oklahoma Sooners football program offered him a scholarship to play quarterback. That's all you need to say. Man, so at this camp yesterday, you know who I ran into? Chris Robeson's old high school high school coach. Wow. Yeah. Didn't he did he uh play did he end up playing against OU at FAU? Yes, he did. Yeah. Yeah, twenty eighteen. Twenty eighteen Kyler's year, yeah. Chris Robeson. I hadn't heard that name in more than a minute. And then his high school coach was wandering around on the sidelines. We struck up a conversation. He was like, yeah, I'm head coach out of Mesquite Horn. I coached Chris Robeson in high school. We called him Crazy Chris. Well, it checks out, huh? Did he he smack talk a little bit before that OU-FAU game? I don't know why. Because I haven't thought about him since the first half of that game when it was officially over at halftime because OU had like a 42-0 lead. But I I thought for some reason that he said something controversial maybe before the game. Maybe he didn't, but it wouldn't be all that shocking. Old crazy Chris. I remember some people picking uh, Lane Kiffin and FAU to upset OU that day in the 2018 season opener. Oh, boy. Final score was like 63-14 that day. That did not indeed happen. Did Chris Robinson start that game? I, was he the starter? I think he did start that day. Yeah. I think he did start that day. Uh, let's see. From the 405, not football related, but Jalen Tyson just committed to Cal. Are you talking about Jordan Tyson? No, Jalen. Oh, Jalen Tyson, his brother. So he isn't coming to OU if that's where his brother ends up. Okay, yeah. His brother's the basketball player. Correct. Yeah. Again, Jalen was going to be a very tough pull. Jordan, well within the realm of possibility. And as we sit here on, on a Monday, we're just kind of playing the waiting game here. But Oklahoma is still in line to get the commitment from Jordan Tyson. That's another guy that the Hawkins family knows quite well. Mike Sr. has trained Jordan since he was little. Mike Jr. played with Jordan for a year at Allen back in 2021. Jordan had over 1,500 receiving yards as Michael's primary target that year. So, I'm going to tell you. They are very confident that Jordan Tyson's going to be a Sooner. That, and that seems to be the consensus opinion right now. That's what Robison did. You, you, or Robison did. You guys are awesome. He tweeted out a picture of a countdown clock and said something like, we don't just talk about it, beat OU. Yes, I knew that he said, said something before that game. Did not, did not work out well for him. D in Choctaw says, Robison reminds me of a young mule shoe. Probably the meanest thing that you could have said, uh, D in Choctaw. Probably the meanest thing that you could have said. He was committed to said mule shoe at one point, though. If you were Chris Robeson, would you rather have the nickname Crazy Chris or Young Mule Shoe? Crazy Chris, <laughs> without a doubt. Crazy Chris. At least Crazy Chris is somewhat ambiguous. Like You can put a positive spin on that. Uh, Knipplemeyer Chevrolet text line, 405-651-3439. I love low-star quarterbacks, says a texture in the 405. OU has only done well with two highly recruited quarterbacks since the 2000s. 
We've had three Heisman winners that were three stars or worst. Hawkins has got raw talent that will surprise people at uh, OU. Yeah, I um, I don't know if your stars don't matter, um, but I I think stars do matter. I, I would uh, I would like to move forward here recruiting um, four and five star quarterbacks, and I, I wouldn't say that Hawk. I, I understand your point. I don't think that Hawkins is going to be a low star quarterback by the by the time it's all said and done. I think if he's not a consensus four star, he'll probably be a composite four star by signing day. Is my guess with Michael Hawkins. So I don't think that he's going to be a, a three-star or even a two-star or anything like that. I think probably four-star is what we're talking for OU's quarterback commit in 24. And the situation into which he's stepping at Frisco Emerson after transferring from Allen, that's an offense that as long as the offensive line holds up, it's going to be much more conducive to his success because they spread it out. He's got four fast receivers. He's going to have plenty of room to operate in the open field because defenders are going to have to make a choice, especially when he rolls out of the pocket. Okay, you abandon your assignment and go after Hawkins, or do you let him run wild while you try to lock down all four of his receivers that are all going to play Division One college football somewhere? Yeah. Uh, by the way, you saw Nigel Smith this weekend down in uh, Melissa, Texas. He released a top eight. Six foot five, two hundred and sixty pound defensive lineman. The top eight consists of Penn State, Ohio State, OU, AM, Texas, Rutgers, no seriously, Rutgers, Georgia, and then Arkansas. Uh, there's a, a story out on On Three about what he says about uh, all eight. Here's what he says about Oklahoma has made it clear since that new staff got there that I was their guy and I was the first one they offered for defensive end. I have built a great relationship with so many of the coaches, and they had a great history of putting guys in the league at Clemson. I also really like their sole program. Anything uh, major to take away from there? No, I mean, not really. Nigel Smith is a guy that's going to say real nice things about every single school. So you have to take it all with a grain of salt. That said, there's a reason why Oklahoma has been regarded as the leader here for over a year, and it's because Nigel Smith and his family, A, have been to OU a ton and B, because they're looking for the type of athletic and academic fit that Oklahoma offers. To me, this is an OU-Ohio State battle right now. He's actually OVing to Rutgers. That's going to be his first yeah. official visit. They have been recruiting me since my freshman year. This is uh, in regards to, to Rutgers. And it was a crazy story on how they even found me. But I have some family down there. Enjoy every time I'm in Jersey. And Coach Shiano has every connection to make you successful on top of the coaching. So, he's going to take a visit to Rutgers. I'd be very surprised if he leaves uh, East Piscataway, New Jersey, and says, yep, this is it. The birthplace of college football, as they say at their stadium, is where I want to play my college ball. What if OU lost a top 50 recruit to Rutgers? Can you imagine the meltdown? Um, well, no. Well, yeah, yes, I can. Um, it's not just any top 50 recruit, though. It's a defensive line uh -huh. recruit that they would lose to Rutgers. I, I don't want to live in that world. And I don't want to lose him to Ohio State or anybody else, but the whole losing a top 50 player to Rutgers on the defensive line, that would not be a fun week of shows. That would not be great. You know how that How would they be. cope? That's my question. Because you can't say, well, they bagged him, because they very obviously didn't if he goes to Rutgers. But... Yeah, um, I did Rutgers recruit Nigel Smith in track suits carrying baseball bats. I see what you did there. I know what you're referencing there. From the 405, stars matter. I'm a huge star power guy. I just don't think QB stars matter as much as other positions. Seems like QB development is largely mental in college football. There's some truth to that. Yeah, there's certainly some truth to that.
And Hawkins is a guy that cerebrally, I think, is ahead of the curve. And Oklahoma has made a real habit of identifying those types of quarterbacks and pursuing them under Jeff Levy because you can say the exact same thing about Jackson Arnold, and I would certainly say the exact same thing about Kevin Sperry. Uh, by the way, uh, speaking of the mob uh, reference, before we hit a break, um, Goodfellas, my uh, my number one mob movie of, uh, of all time. I don't know if Textline agrees with that or not, but that's number one in my power rankings. Big big mob movie fan, but really? Goodfellas, I'll, I'll go with uh, I'll go with number one, one of the classics. Four zero five six five one thirty four thirty nine is the Knipplemeyer Chevrolet text line. A new prediction is in for five star Williams Winery. Where is it to? We'll tell you about that coming up next and a whole lot more. Keep it locked on the ref. Locked in with McComas and Thune. Live on the ref, we're the Homo Sooner fans. Tyler McComas, Parker Thune, the Ref Army, listening nationwide once again today on this Monday. Cookville, Tennessee is tuned in via the free Ref app. Just search KREF in the App Store. West Hartford, Connecticut. Arlington, Virginia, Walton, Nebraska, Mesa, Arizona, Bay City, Michigan, Chandler, Texas, small Oklahoma town of the day, Chicota, Oklahoma. Home of? Carrie Underwood. Nice job. I'm very proud of you. And 2025 wide receiver Elijah Thomas. Oh, you off. Who's going to be more famous, Elijah Thomas or Carrie Underwood? He's got a long way to go. <laughs> I don't know, but Elijah Thomas, that, that boy good. So He's going to... He's going to be the best wide receiver that's come out of Oklahoma in a minute. I'm, I'm Since very, at least Cole Adams. I, oh, God, don't do not do that today. <laughs> I'm very impressed you knew that because uh, everyone in Oklahoma, when they when they see Chicota, oh, yeah, 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 Carrie Underwood's from there. Who is like that, who's like that for Nebraska? It, Larry the Cable Guy's from up there, right? I mean, is, I guess so. Is he like the big Nobody really celeb? associates Larry the Cable Guy with Nebraska, I don't think. Um, I think – I grew up in Omaha, right? So that's kind of a big city. The list of celebrities that were born and or lived in Omaha is not insignificant. Mm -hmm. It's known perhaps best as the birthplace of our 38th president, Gerald Ford. Oh, so Gerald Ford versus uh, Carrie Underwood. Who you got for for most famous between OU and Nebraska? In 2023, Mm. you'd have to give the edge to Carrie Underwood. (laughs) Probably. Uh, It's brought to you by K&N Furniture Consignment with locations in OKC and on Main Street, Norman. Shop K&N for all of your home furnishing and design needs, offering both new and custom furniture. The original one-stop shop. Did you guys do like uh, 30 minutes on just hating on Muleshoe last hour? Because I feel like it's carried over into uh, into Locked In today. People oh, really? are saying that, yeah, that Muleshoe watches the uh, edited version of Goodfellas. I mean, what? people just hate on Muleshoe in general on the text line. I, I mean, that happens most days, but I feel like today he they just were got like an ready Alabama go. transfer and a four star 2025 safety yesterday. Mm-hmm. Brothers, in fact. So maybe the Muleshoe hate has. Been renewed. by one service, he's the uh, number one safety in the twenty-five class. Correct? Is he I, I like a top know. twenty-five player overall? Yeah, whatever. Uh, Williams Winery, new future future cast in this one from a K State insider. If that means anything to you, Williams Winery, five-star defensive lineman, six foot six, two sixty-five. Uh, that future cast was to OU. So as we kind of sit and wait, and we're going to be waiting. Probably still for a bit on Williams Winery's decision. Um, there's not a whole lot here recently outside of Wilt Fong saying he thought that Tennessee was the leader and he's kind of walked that back a little bit. 
everything that you, you look at leads you to believe that OU is still the leader right now for williams Winery. I would say so, but I don't want to disavow the Tennessee buzz because it's real. He has strong interest in Tennessee, and he's going to Ovi there. Also, Georgia and Redneck Pokemon are certainly lurking here as well. So Redneck Pokemon? Kirby. Oh, <laughs> what? Who calls him that? Redneck Pokemon? I've never heard that nickname for Kirby Smart. Well, now you have. There which, you go. Which, um, which one does he look like? Does he look like Pikachu or something? Kirby. Okay. Well, Kirby's not a... Uh, is there a Pokemon named Kirby? Yes. It wasn't one of the original uh, ones that they had. There must be a new one. I don't know. I, I don't deal in Pokemon. I okay. S- I know Kirby is a character from one of those worlds. Yeah, well, he, he, he looks like... Uh, he probably looks like one. Probably looks like several Pokemon. Redneck, I'm not going to be able to get that out of my mind now. Nice job. There you go. Um, also, tough loss on Friday. Kellen Lindstrom picks Tennessee. Uh, Springfield, Missouri, six foot five, 240-pound defensive end, four-star. Looks like that or feels like that was an OU-Tennessee battle. Is, is, this, one, is this one over or we, we got to wait a few weeks? It, I, yes, this one is over because, look, here's the way that it went down, Tyler. Kellen Lindstrom was a Sooner until Oklahoma tried to slow things down. And once Oklahoma tried to slow things down, he said, okay, screw it, I'll go to Tennessee. And he picked Tennessee. But the fact that Oklahoma tried to slow it down speaks speaks to how good they feel about some of their edge and defensive end targets elsewhere in the class because Nigel Smith is going to play defensive end if he ends up at Oklahoma, as will Joseph Jonah Jonye, at least initially. Uh you obviously have your top edge target in Will Nguyenary. We just talked about him. And then a couple other guys with whom Oklahoma is in very good shape. Logan Thomas from Katie Pato. Wyatt Gilmore from the state of Minnesota. Jay Sean Ross. Liberty North up in Missouri. And then who am I forgetting here? Who am I forgetting? Um, well, while you're thinking about it, like if you get the targets that you think that you're going to get right now, um, losing Kellen Lindstrom is not the biggest deal, right? Yeah. However, people will remember that you said that in four months' time, and if you strike out on the defensive end, you know, people will come back and say, well, that's why you shouldn't have slow played it with Kellen Lindstrom. What were you thinking? But if you get all those guys, it's not a big deal. You probably won't remember it. The other guy is Zena Amozalu. Who, for a long time... No wonder you forgot that name. <laughs> it's a mouthful. <laughs> but four-star edge rusher, Allen High School, former teammate of Michael Hawkins, former teammate of Devon Mitchell, which, by the way, if things weren't already trending very heavily in OU's favor for Devon Mitchell, they certainly are now. Things look very good there for OU. And they've but, looked good for a while now. Yeah, but, sure. but Amosalu, I would throw him in there with Taylor Tatum amongst guys that Oklahoma has just recently not necessarily re-engaged with, but renewed a very fervent pursuit of. And they've made a ton of headway in both of those recruitments. And they're a very serious player for Taylor Tatum, and they're a very serious player for Zena Mosalu as well. Uh, Jordy Ball is from Nebraska, says a texture in the 580. She's probably more famous, uh, famous than Carrie Underwood at the moment. I've never seen Carrie Underwood. Be voted as a finalist for uh, Player of the Year, top ten finalist. I don't think that Jordy's going to win it. I think Jada Coleman or Tiare Jennings will. But uh, is Jordy Ball the best pitcher in college softball right now? Mm, she's definitely up there. She may be the best pitcher in college softball. She's pretty good. Well, there's the thing. Here's the thing about it. If you're going to, 
engage in that discourse as to who is the best pitcher in college softball. If your answer isn't Jordy Ball, well, then you would probably say she's also not even the best pitcher on her own team. Could be the third best pitcher on her own team. Exactly. Yeah, she's a finalist or top ten finalist for uh, Player of the Year, which is crazy. Johnny Carson is from Nebraska. That he is. Warren Buffett is from Nebraska. So you guys have some decent selections up there. That's that's not bad. Uh was, was President Ford a football player as well? Some on the text line are, uh, are saying he was. Uh, let's see. Here's another. We get this all the time. Can you talk about the difference between official and unofficial visits? I know the school pays for officials, but what else goes into them? You can just give them the VIP treatment, essentially. Yeah. You can pay for stuff, and you're on the clock. Official visits can only take, I, I want to say it's 48 hours. So you can only spend 48 hours on an official visit. An unofficial visit, you can be there as long as you want. Because it's on your own dime. But, yes, the primary difference is school pays for officials. The recruit pays for unofficials. You can take as many unofficials as you want, but you'll only get one official to each school. Yeah. Uh, by the way, Bronny James to uh, USC over the weekend. Bronny James, that is the son of uh, LeBron James. And maybe that's where the hate on this Monday is. Uh, look, like you said, like the hate is always there for Muleshoe. But Muleshoe was doing some victory laps on uh, social media this weekend after Bronny James announced his intentions to play for the USC Trojans. So, yeah, that was that was out there. That's a big get for USC basketball. Bronny James, I don't know if he's the Arch Manning of the uh, 2024 Hoops class. Maybe he's actually really good. Can't say that I've watched a lot of Bronny James. But USC is going to be on your television a lot this year. You, you can go ahead and bet on that. You can go ahead and bet on that. Gerald Ford was an All-American at the University of Michigan. Oh, really? the text line. Yes. Nice. Uh, how many guys does OU take on the defensive line, says a texture in the 4 uh, They're going to take a lot. They need to. They're going to take a lot. And look no further than the defensive linemen that are OVing with Oklahoma in the month of June. Let's think offhand. You have Williams and Winery, Joseph Jonah Ajonye, Nigel Smith, David Stone, Zadavian Sims, Dominic McKinley, Wyatt Gilmore, Logan Thomas. Uh, shoot, is that it? So at least eight? Yeah. Eight, nine, something like that. And then, of course, you throw into the mix Jay Sean Ross and um, who's the other guy I was just talking about? Zeno Mosalud. There you go. You need defensive line depth, and if you can get it in this class, that would, uh, that would help out quite a bit. By the way, uh, before we hit a break, speaking of uh, Gerald Ford, um, can anyone tell me where uh, or which college football stadium is named after him? Anyone? Bonus point, they're on OU schedule this year. Gerald Ford is uh, named after a uh, college football stadium. That team is on OU schedule this year. Isn't it SMU? It is SMU. Yeah, yeah nice job. I'm, I'm sure the text line uh, will probably guess that pretty easily. All right, 405-651-3439 is the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line. Still a lot going on in the transfer portal. We had several players make announcements this weekend. We're still waiting on Colorado wide receiver transfer Jordan Tyson. We'll tell you the latest there and a whole lot more coming up in the portal right here on The Ref. We're the Homo Sooner fans. We're inside the Buffalo Wild Wings studio today, locked in with McComas and Thune, where we're just all sorts of wrong today. Wrong Gerald Fact Ford. Fact error, Tyler. Wrong. My undergrad journalism professor would have taken off 50% of your grade for that. So, the best, ugh, that would have been bad. To be fair, I did not know that either. 
I didn't have it in my head that SMU Stadium was named Gerald J. Is it Gerald J. Ford Stadium? Uh, it is Gerald J. Ford. Yeah, Stadium. and isn't the president Gerald R. Ford? Maybe if they, I'm not mistaken, they do spell Gerald the uh, the right way. So we're wrong on that. And then Kirby is not a Pokemon. So the really important things we are uh, we are <laughs> off on today. <laughs> Got our Pokemons and our presidents completely backwards. <sighs> Let's hope we're right about Jordan Tyson trending towards uh, OU because that is an important thing. Yeah, like just be the cherry on top. He'll commit to Cal to go play with his brother. <laughs> That's the last thing. Yeah, it, during this show today as well. Six foot two, 185 pounds. Uh, talked a lot about him last week, but man, as a true freshman, and, and I think that that's how you really have to evaluate him is what he was last year. He was a true freshman, but he was the, the best player on Colorado's team when he was healthy by all accounts, but he was also a really good punt returner. So you're, you're getting that along uh, there as well. I don't know if he would be your starting punt returner if he indeed commits to OU, but he would be in the conversation for sure. There's just a lot to like about Jordan Tyson. That would be a really nice ad. Let position. me ask you, Tyler, you have to pick one player and only one. Who do you want returning punts next fall at Oklahoma? Uh, Jordan Tyson. I saw him take one at the house against Arizona State last year and a couple of other punts that he almost broke free. So if I say Jordan Tyson, that means OU gets Jordan Tyson. So that's actually a pretty easy answer for me. What say uh, okay, you? Okay, so no no Gavin Freeman, no Brennan Thompson. Uh, Brennan Thompson, can I get him as a kick returner? Can sure. I get uh, Jordan Tyson as the punt returner and Brennan Thompson as the kick returner? You know who I want returning punts at the University of Oklahoma? Billy Bowman. Peyton Bowen. Peyton Bowen. Mm -hmm. Peyton Bowen. He was pretty good last year for, uh, for uh, in, in high school, his senior year that of high school. That kid's a freakishly good in, returner. In fact, man. there were some games that even though like, he was five-star in every sense of the word as a, as a safety a year ago, uh, he really added uh, for, in the uh, punt return game a year ago. There were some games last year where it was, yeah, he's played great at safety this game, but, geez, look at the punt return. I remember one in particular where he broke about five tackles and went all the way to yeah. the house. Yeah, it was one of the most impressive individual plays I saw all season from any high school player. And we talk about vision a lot with running backs. We don't tend to talk about it at really any other position, but it matters in the return game. Being able to identify the lane that you want to take, diagnose when and where things are going to open up for you, kind of start angling in that direction. That's something Peyton Moen's so good at, man. It's just effortless the way that he's able to identify the, the weak point of the opposing team's kick coverage and just head straight through it. Uh, by the way, like the, the best players currently in the portal or highest-ranked players currently in the portal, according to you know the Athletic and everyone else who ranks it, really all wide receivers right now. Jordan Tyson is in that list. Jordan Hudson is in that list. Keon Coleman is on that list. Feels like Jordan Tyson to Oklahoma. Does it still feel like Jordan Hudson to SMU? TCU to SMU? That was at least the early room. Is he going to play at Gerald Ford Stadium named after the former <laughs> president next year? Is that where he's going to play? Oh, I got no idea, man. But that just kind of underscores the point that there are, there are too many wide receivers in college football than people know what to do with. Yeah, there's a surplus of wide receivers. Yeah, Keon Coleman, what uh, LSU is a school that he's looking at. I think was he at Florida State this past weekend? Yeah, maybe? he was. So maybe those are your top two there. But your best players out there right now are uh, are really wide receivers. So not that you ever want to have to go to the portal to get a wide receiver, but. 
kind of feels like, Parker, now that we've got a few years of this portal stuff, um, anytime you need a wide receiver, you can go get a wide receiver. Like, wide receiver is one of the positions that you can always find in the portal, whether it be in the first cycle, second cycle. seems like you can always find a, find a wide receiver. Yeah, the wide receiver crop has really become – well, there are two ways to look at it. Right on the one hand, you can kind of take the optimist perspective, like you were saying, Tyler, and there are so many good wide receivers capable of producing that if you ever need one, there's going to be one waiting for you in the portal. But by the same token, the truly elite wide receivers become more and more difficult to come by in a world like that. And so that's why it's all the more valuable to have a guy like a Marvin Mims on your roster that is not just capable of producing, but is dominant at the wide receiver position. And to me, that is one of the biggest question marks for this Oklahoma team heading into 2023, right up there alongside what is your interior defensive line picture look like. But offensively, to me, the big question is, do you have an elite wide receiver? You got some good ones, but do you have an elite one? Right now, I would say that they don't. And they still have time to get there. And really, they got a few games to get there um, as well with the soft non-conference schedule. But, no, nah, you're right, man. I mean, they're, they're going to have to have at least one elite wide receiver this year. Or you're going to see the same inconsistencies that you saw last year from the, uh, from the wide receiver position. By the way, uh, we, we talk a lot about the schedule. And, and I don't have the uh, over-under win totals for OU's non-conference opponents. But I, I'm going to guess that... Tulsa's over-under for wins this year is not very high. Probably the same thing for Arkansas State. We talk about how easy this schedule is. Um, Listen to – I'm going to read you off the schedule in terms of over-under win totals from DraftKings that was released on Friday, okay? Here's how your conference schedule sorts out. At Cincinnati, four-and-a-half is their over-under. Iowa State at home, five-and-a-half is their over-under. Texas and Dallas, nine-and-a-half is their over-under. Versus UCF, six and a half. At KU, six and a half. At Oklahoma State, six and a half. West Virginia at home, four and a half. At BYU, six. TCU at home, seven and a half. You only play one team in the conference next year. One team that has an over-under win total of eight games or higher. And it's Texas. Which, once again, it goes back to the point I've been making for months. I don't care if you feel like it's too big of a jump for Oklahoma to make or it's setting expectations too high. There is absolutely no reason why this team shouldn't win double-digit games in 20. I don't know if that further illustrates just how manageable this schedule is. I mean, they're over-unders. They're set for a reason, but teams can obviously overperform, and maybe some teams will do that. But there is a lot of uh, six-and-a-halves on that list. There's a couple four-and-a-halves on that list. There's a five-and-a-half, and nine-and-a-half, which is OU's over-under, is the highest win total that they're going to face this year, which is what Texas has. So we're not just talking about a manageable schedule. We're talking about one of the easier schedules for any Power 5 opponent in all of college football this year. It needs to be at least 10 wins. I, seriously, I would, I would stack OU's schedule up against anyone in the country, including Georgia's, who everyone makes fun of. They at least got to go to Tennessee this year. Oh, you don't have a game like that. Have, have you noticed, and this is kind of switching gears here, but have you noticed that on the Knippelmeyer text line, the nip, as it were, 
Folks have begun to replace Zadavian Sims with Joseph Jonah Jonye in the conversation regarding Oklahoma's top Yeah, I don't know if I like targets. that. I don't know if the uh, the Oregon buzz has uh, scared them off of Zadavian Sims. I, I mean, I still think OU's very much in that, but why can't it be five? Why, why do we have to just go roll with the big four? But I, I do see that text asking what's the li- likelihood that they get the big three plus Joseph Jonah Ajonye. So David Stone, Joseph Jonah Ajonye, Nigel Smith, and Will Nguyenary. That is what Ty from Bartlesville has dubbed the fearsome foursome. Then you throw in Zadavian Sims. You throw in Logan Thomas, Zena Mosalu, Dominic McKinley, Wyatt Gilmore, Jay Sean Ross, what have you. I expect Oklahoma to end up with at least six total defensive linemen in this class when you're talking interior guys plus edge. At least six and likely more. Would that would that push for – well, I, I think it would do more than push. Would that be the best defensive line haul in the entire 2024 cycle? It would certainly be among the top three to five. Because what a message that would be or like what, what, a, what a job that would be by the staff if we know what's happened here recently with defensive line recruiting. Um, last year was a lot better, but it you know it, it wasn't perfect. If they were to pull the best defensive line class in all of 2024, that would be um, that would be big time. It would be well needed. It would be a lot of things. I'm just really curious to up. see what the Ian Boyd spin zone would be on that because you know that's been his thing. That's been his soapbox for Brent Venables in Oklahoma for the last year and a half. Is well. Venables needs to recruit elite defensive linemen if they're that's going to have any success in the SEC. So, like, if Venables and Oklahoma staff actually start recruiting elite defensive linemen, not just a couple in the last cycle in P.J. Atabari and Derek LeBlanc, but if they're five, six deep with elite defensive linemen in a single class, what is Ian Boyd going to write about now? I don't know, but, you know, there's some articles where you can, like, press play and whatever they write, it has, you know, I, I hope that, that that's the voice that reads off his articles from now on because that's how I'm going to, uh, that's how I'm going to envision it every single time. Uh, Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line, 405-651-3439. Uh, Michigan just continues to roll, man. Michigan and Ohio State, they're 1-2 and two right now in the 2024 class. It's still early. We still got to get through the summer. We still got to get through the season. A lot's going to change in these rankings. It's still early on. But boy, Michigan and Ohio State are building quite the lead right now in the 24 class. We'll run that down where OU sits in a whole lot more from recruiting in the transfer portal. Coming up next right here on The Ref, we're the Homeless Sooner fans. Final segment locked in with McComas and Thune live on the ref. 420 days until OU is officially a member of the SEC. I know some of you, including Gunny, are uh, very very aware of just exactly how many days it's going to be until OU joins the SEC, which we found that out on Friday, by the way. Uh, Joe Castiglione met with a few members of the media after the uh, Board of Regents on Friday, Board of Regents meeting on Friday, and there you go. What is it? July 1st of 2024 is OU's first official day in the SEC. That so it is. We have uh, we have that to uh, to look forward to. Going to be a long time. Got to get through this season and another offseason first, but 420 days away. Yeah, man, um, Michigan and Ohio State are rolling right now. I think Michigan got a – Another really good wide receiver over the weekend. They've got 16 commits already for this 2024 class. Ohio State right behind at two, and then you have Georgia at three. Um, Notre Dame actually right behind Georgia as well at number four. 
if OU cleans house up front on the defensive line, they can absolutely push for a top five class. But as we've said here for the last few weeks, those top five spots are kind of filling up, man. Yeah, they are. And things are going to change as official visit season rolls around. And what I want everyone to be prepared for is there are going to be guys whose recruitments start to swing toward OU in the month of June. And there will be guys whose recruitments start to swing away from OU in the month of June. Perfect example last year. OU led, as I as I recall it, OU led leading heading into the month of June for Troy Bowles. Troy Bowles ended up going to Georgia. OU absolutely did not lead heading into the month of June for Lewis Carter. Lewis Carter ended up at Oklahoma a month and a half later. So, yes, we have an idea of what the recruiting board looks like for Oklahoma. Yes, we have an idea of what the rankings are going to start shaping up to look like nationally, but a lot is going to change over the next two months. I guess the the biggest thing for OU recruiting this weekend, well, you had um, Kellen Lindstrom pick uh, Tennessee over OU, Springfield, Missouri, six foot five, two forty defensive end. You think that was more of OU just kind of taking the pressure off a little bit, and maybe is it as simple to say they like some better options there, like because it, it felt like they had Kellen Lindstrom at one. Well, point. they did have him, and yes, there are better options on the board when you look at Will Nwaneri, and to me, I think. I think Jay Sean Ross is a top 100 player nationally. Um, I know Zena Mosalu. I think he is currently ranked in the top 100. But Kellen Lindstrom was a guy they liked. They invested a ton of time into him at the spring game. But when push came to shove and they had to decide, okay, do we want to let Kellen Lindstrom into this class or not, there were enough options still out there on the board that they feel good about. And trust me, Miguel Chavis is doing a fantastic job behind the scenes that – they didn't feel it necessary to say, okay, yeah, we'll take you, let's go, to Kellen Lindstrom. Not that they wouldn't have taken him down the road, but at this point in the cycle, in the sure. month of May, not a guy that they were going to say yes to right away. So that was the the first big story of the weekend. I'd say the second biggest is probably Michael Hawkins winning the MVP at Rivals Camp for the second consecutive year. I mean, that is your quarterback commit for this 24 class, so that's a big story, and what it feels like to me, Parker, and we'll see what happens in his senior season at Frisco Emerson, but it feels like it's been an offseason of progression for him as a passer. Is that fair to say so far? Certainly. And maintaining a trajectory thus far this offseason similar to the one that we saw Jackson Arnold maintain heading into his senior year of high school because Jackson Arnold played baseball through his junior year of high school, and he himself has acknowledged it at the Elite 11 Regional last year where he qualified for the finals, he wasn't in tip-top shape because he still had his baseball mechanics kind of hardwired into his throwing of the football. And so it took him a little while to dissociate from that. But by the time the finals rolled around in, what was that, June, dude was lights out. And for Michael Hawkins, he's just straight focused on football. He doesn't have to worry about the baseball thing coming into play. But he does have some areas in which his game could stand to be refined, and he trains with Kevin Murray, Kyler's dad. Uh, his dad, Mike, obviously, of course, played cornerback and can lend some insight and some perspective from the defensive side of the ball uh, to Mike Jr. as well. And heading into his senior year at Frisco Emerson, 
I think Hawkins is on a very promising trajectory and on track to be one of the more productive quarterbacks in the Lone Star State this fall. We've uh, we've brought it up before, but look, there, there's always you know NFL legacies or sons of former NFL players in recruiting every single year. It just like Brian Urlacher's kid is in this class, committed to Notre Dame. Jerome Bettis's son is in this class. I believe he's committed to Notre Dame. Willis McGahee's son just committed to Nebraska, and then now Neil Smith's son, three-star athlete out of the state of Missouri, just committed to Nebraska, Keelan Smith. Three-star athlete. So we've uh, we've had some very popular NFL players, very popular NFL players. Was that Neil Smith from his days with the Kansas City Chiefs right there? Is that what you were playing? I don't know. The computer just freaked <laughs> out on me, so that's not ideal. That did sound like Neil Smith from his playing days. Uh, definitely, as a uh, as a big time. Did player Neil Smith there. ever play in the league? Did he get that yeah, far? Yeah, he did. He played for the Chiefs. I think he played for the Broncos at one point as well. I think he played for both the Broncos and the Chiefs in the, in the league. But his son's going to uh, Nebraska as a three star. But good for Mike Hawkins. Back to back Rivals Camp MVPs for the second consecutive year. And uh, me thinks by the time it's all said and done that he's going to be a four-star. But real quick, in the 2024 class, Michigan's at one with one five-star. Ohio State's at two with two five-stars. Georgia's at three with four five-stars, more than anyone in college football. But Michigan and Ohio State have larger classes right now in terms of uh, overall commits. Notre Dame's at four with two five-stars. LSU is at five with zero five-stars. You currently have OU at number 25, four four-stars and two Three stars, six commits in this 24 class, which I think we all expect them to finish a lot higher than 25 by the time that this recruiting class is all said and done. That'll do it for Locked In. The Rush is coming up next. Keep it locked on the ref. We're the Homeless Sooner fans.